Welcome to Mosaic Podcasts. We hope you enjoy the following recording from Mosaic Church Leeds, based in the United Kingdom. For more podcasts and information on Mosaic Church, please visit mosaic-church.org.uk. Thank you for listening. Really, it's good to be here with you this morning. If you are a guest, uh, not been to Mosaic before, uh, then I really hope that you enjoy your time with us. We're actually during Advent, we're looking at the songs that people sing at the birth of Jesus, and it's called What to Sing at Christmas. And we don't technically have a song to sing because we're looking at Matthew 1. And Joseph, like most men, is more of a doer rather than a singer. And so if he were to sing, I think it would be a song of costly hope. And we're praying this morning that uh, you would also be able to sing a song of costly hope this Christmas. So let's read the story together. We're just going to work our way through. If you've got a Bible, you're very, uh, um, uh, it'd be great if you follow along with me, but it's going to appear on the screen. We're going to go from Matthew 1, verse 18, and it says this. This is how the birth of Jesus Christ came about. His mother Mary was pledged to be married to Joseph, but before they came together, she was found to be with child through the Holy Spirit. So I want you to picture the scene. Mary is pledged to be married to Joseph. We don't have anything quite like that in our culture. I guess the nearest to being pledged to someone is being engaged to someone. But in their culture, if you were pledged to be married, it had some legal obligations as well. You see, um, in Nazareth at the time, it was a very small village, probably only a couple of hundred people or so. Some of you may have grown up in a village a bit like that. You would know that well, I don't know, all the kids would know each other growing up. There was a fairly limited pool of people that you could date and get married to. And somehow within that, Mary and Joseph's parents probably came together and agreed that Mary and Joseph would, as they grew up, get married to one another. And so they're probably quite young at this point. We're, we're led to believe that Mary and Joseph were probably 15 or 16, something like that, very, very young. And at this point in time, they are not living together, but they're pledged to be married. Everything is moving in that direction. Everything is progressing very nicely for them to get married until this happens. Mary, an unmarried virgin, finds herself pregnant through the Holy Spirit. Now, we must understand this initially is not good news for Mary and Joseph. It is an absolute disaster. And you'll see the bottom is just about to fall out of their world. They are not happy bunnies. The reason is for Mary, in her culture, they would have shunned unmarried mums. So they would have uh, forced her to spend the rest of her life as an outcast. Uh, She would have been shunned. She would have been accused of sleeping around. And for Joseph, well, the story today really is about Joseph. And for Joseph, well, he would have felt a mixture of confusion and anger and disappointment. Um, I don't know if you remember the time when someone ditched you or dumped you, I still feel the pain, age 16, chasing this girl for a good year or so, finally plucking up the manly courage to ask her out for a date and her very clearly saying, no chance, I really like your friend though. You know, it still lives with me, that sort of pain. But for Joseph, 
For Joseph, like his life would have been building to that moment of marriage. And suddenly he realises that Mary's pregnancy means that she has not waited like he has. He is very much a virgin and clearly she isn't. He's learned a trade. He's been building to provide for his wife. He's moved out from home. And in a small town, there would be no hiding a scandal like this. He's been humiliated. He's been two-timed. And his offer of marriage has effectively just been thrown back into his face. And his mind must have been racing. Where is God in all of this? Um, what's God doing? I thought, I prayed, I thought I trusted. And I'm not sure, but it's likely you have faced moments in your life where your plans have crumbled, where things have not worked out like you thought they were going to work out. Perhaps there's moments where you thought God had said something to you and it didn't work out that way. You know, my experience in my life of those moments is there's no hiding. Whatever's in your heart as your sort of world falls to pieces generally comes out to the surface. And so if it's bitterness, if it's anger, if it's confusion, well, that's what you get. But if it is trust, if it is faith, then those things are exposed at the same time. And it's why all of us actually need to prepare for those sort of times in advance, ahead of them. Because in the moment, it's too late. You know, by building a firm, vibrant relationship with God, grounded in the Bible, filled with the Holy Spirit, done alongside some very like-minded people, all of those things build a foundation that can stand during those horrible moments of life. And for Joseph, we don't know, perhaps he's done some of that, because his response to what the angel tells him is filled with courage and filled with grace. Verse 19, because Joseph, her husband, was a righteous man, he did not want to expose her to public disgrace. He had in mind to divorce her quickly. So Joseph, he doesn't get even. He doesn't try and humiliate Mary. But in his pain, he makes a choice that reveals a real maturity in a very young man. He plans to divorce her quietly. To legally separate. separate. Why does he do it quietly? Well, he's a righteous man. He's a good man. He wants to protect her. He wants to cover her. He wants to take her shame and cover her. And listen, we, over the last few weeks, we've looked at the example of Mary as a brilliant, young, single, godly woman. But I want you to know today that Joseph before us is a great example of a single man, especially an, an engaged man. He's got a job. He's learning a trade. He's taking responsibility. He's saving sex till marriage. He's a one-woman man. He's not off buying toys, refusing to grow up, refusing to take responsibility, not looking at anyone at this point at all. Um, he's not treating women as commodities. Rather, he's moved out. He's committed. He's focused. He's worshipful. He's spirit-filled. And he's thinking of others. Yet... His world is falling apart, really falling apart, but his character shines through. And my guess is he's invested before time. So even though he understands this situation is a nightmare, he responds with faith and trust. But look what happens next. This is the roller coaster of a ride that Joseph is on. Verse 20. 
But after he has considered this, an angel of the Lord appeared to him in a dream and said, Joseph, son of David, do not be afraid to take Mary home as your wife, because what is conceived in her is from the Holy Spirit. So we don't know how long he spent worrying and wondering what was going on. But in a moment, the angel speaks and he realized that this baby is God's plan. And I hope you can see that this changes everything about his life. Suddenly, hope appears out of nowhere. Suddenly, there's no need to fear. Suddenly, his marriage is still on. His future's secure. Mary hasn't betrayed him. God hasn't deserted him. The long-awaited king, the Emmanuel, Messiah, all those names of God that we saw on that brilliant video, all those things were coming true in this baby. And he would put the worlds to rights. And more than anything, I guess, for Joseph, the human story is that he is going to be a dad. If you're a dad here, you just know that incredible privilege. He's going to be a dad. And for this little family, Mary and Joseph, that is what the birth of Jesus means. That is the song they get to sing. It is a song of hope. It's a song of restoration. It's a song of reversal. And that is a fundamental belief that we have as Christians, that God takes the worst things in life and all that the devil throws at us. And if we let him, he turns all of those things for good. He takes the carbon in our life and under pressure, he forms some diamonds. He takes our shame and turns it to honor. He makes a way where there is none. And a verse that for us Christians in the Bible we sometimes just have to hold on to with our fingernails in tough times is Romans 8 verse 21. And we know that in all things, God works for the good of those who love him, who've been called according to his purpose. Why don't we just read that together, shall we? And we know that in all things, God works for the good of those who love him, who've been called according to his purpose. Over time, our all-powerful God turns the rubbish of sin and the rubbish of life into good for those that love him. It's not easy, it's not simple, it's not a quick fix. And don't forget, it's a song of hope that comes at great cost. You see, in the story, let's not forget, Mary is still pregnant before she's married. That means everyone in their small little village will be thinking, Joseph, he's the guy that married the single mum. Yes, she seems sweet. Yes, she seems godly, but she's actually a bit of a floozy. It means this beautiful married couple will live forever with this hanging over them, like a tarnished reputation, a joke everyone is in on except them. They will be whispering, that is Joseph. He doesn't realize his wife cheated on him because she said it was the Lord. It was the Lord. And he was gullible enough to believe and raise somebody else's kid. That's what their village would be saying. You see, it's hope, but it comes at a great cost. And that's not even mentioning what their son is going to endure when he grows up. They would say horrible things about their, his, their son too. John 8 tells the story of some people coming to Jesus when he's a bit older. And they throw out this phrase, we know who our father is. But do you know who yours is? And it's a way of saying your mum's mucked around so much that you don't even know who your father is. Hope at great cost. That's the song Joseph would sing. And it sounds like a song 
that we should be singing at Christmas. Why? Why is this song of costly hope ours too? Well, the answer is in the next couple of verses. And we're nearly done. Verse 21. She will give birth to a son and you are to give him the name Jesus because he will save people from their sins. All this took place to fulfill what the Lord had said through the prophet. The virgin will be with child, will give birth to a son and they will call him Emmanuel, which means God with us. This angel comes to Joseph and clearly explains this baby, his name's going to be Jesus and he will save people from their sins. God will take the devastation of sin and make it good again through Jesus going to the cross and dying for us. There we go again. Costly hope. The truth is that every single one of us in the room, young and old, need to be saved. We're all by nature and choice sinful. And it's the one truth that explains all the pain and trouble and suffering in the world. That we are a sinful people. We're selfish right at the heart. Sin has devastated mankind and we cannot save ourselves from sin. We need a saviour. We need someone else to come here and deal with the root problem in our hearts. And we believe that that is Jesus, Emmanuel, God with us. And even though sin makes us God enemies, God loves his enemies enough to save them. Jesus dies at the cross in our place for our sins and that's the cost of that hope. And listen, I'm going to show a video in a minute to hopefully explain what it is that we're trying to say to you this Christmas. But listen, you may love Christmas, you may hate Christmas. Christmas for you might be like a real high point. Christmas might be a time where you actually remember some low points. Whatever Christmas means to you, our hope is that you realise that if you've not been saved from your sins, then you're in grave danger. That this Christmas, our dearest hope for you is to respond to God, to exchange like you exchange gifts, your sin for this amazing hope that you can have in Jesus. So we're going to use a story right now that you should be really familiar with. Sometimes in explaining something complicated, you need a story that you understand that is reinterpreted. So I'm going to show you an advert that some of you will have seen this year. It's called The Hare and the Bear. And it's um, by the firm John Lewis. So this is not sponsored by John Lewis, this service, in any way. This is just a really helpful illustration. Can you put your hands up if you've seen this? Has anyone seen it? Oh, loads of you have seen it. So it's a good 60, 70% of it. We're going to watch it first. And it's the story of a bear who has never, ever experienced Christmas. <laughs> the story of a bear that's never experienced Christmas. And then we're going to retell the story. So let's watch that now. <laughs> okay, we're going to do that again. This time, though... Um, I want you to imagine that the hare in the story is God and that the bear represents you and me. Okay, so the hare is God and the bear represents you and me. And I'm going to narrate the story. So we're about there. Let's go again. In the beginning, God created a beautiful world. He created seas, lands, rivers, plants and animals. But the pinnacle of creation was mankind. God and man walked together in this perfect place and everything was good and their relationship was very good. However, this didn't last very long. You see, even though mankind was free to work with God in Eden, there was a tree in the middle of the garden that God said was out of bounds, the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. 
Tragically, sin enters the world as mankind chooses to eat the forbidden fruit and rebel against God. And in a moment, we're guilty of not obeying and worshipping God alone. And we're banished from the garden. God was devastated that sin would separate him from man like a long, long sleep. But wonderfully, God was not finished with us. He sent his son Jesus to live and die for our sin and remain in a tomb for three long days, then incredibly rise from the grave. And God runs to us and says, whoever believes in him would wake up to restore the relationship with God. And this would be like receiving an incredible gift of love and forgiveness and hope. So now it is up to all of us to choose to receive that gift and acknowledge our plight without God. But the minute we do, we too will be welcomed back and know God the Father's joy at our coming home to him to discover a new life, a life we've been asleep to in relationship with God and part of a new family, trusting that one day at the end of time, the whole world will be restored to all that God intended. Isn't it amazing um, how you can take a simple story and relate it to what we believe is the story? God bringing a song of costly hope. We hope that we hope that you see that you can be saved from your sin from a life without God, and you can receive a life of purpose and forgiveness and new family and acceptance. But it costs Jesus his life to win that salvation. And your choice this Christmas is simply to believe this wonderful news, to give your life to Jesus and consciously receive this gift of costly hope. That is our prayer for you. So do you want to stand with me? We are going to pray and then we're going to sing our final two carols. The first one we're going to sing might be a little bit new to you, um, but it is a song of worship and praise where we as Christians can enjoy uh, what God has done for us in Jesus. But I'm going to pray. If you would be happy just to bow your heads for a moment, let me pray. And then we're going to sing and celebrate all that God has done for us. Heavenly Father, thank you so much that you take the worst things that life throws at us and through Jesus make them good. I pray, Lord Jesus, for um, us as a church family and for our many guests that we would know um, what Christmas is all about. We would know that Jesus came to save us from our sins and we would be able to sing a song of costly hope. And we pray these things in the name of Jesus. Amen. 